Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good. Welcome back to another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo. Remember to hit that subscribe button. Please rate us. Please review us. We are lining up a mega recruiting mailbag. So if you have a recruiting question, make sure you leave that with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We're starting off this week. It is Tuesday, February 9th with special guest Bud Elliott. He's a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. Bud, how are we doing? Blair, doing well, man. Excited to be on. Well, glad to have you on. Obviously, you, you've been on this show before, and, and you have uh, obviously a number of other duties, not only at 24-7 Sports, but also with CBS and HQ. But this is a, a pretty significant time of the year for us because... Signing day has passed, a traditional signing day in February. Obviously, we had the early signing period where over 85 pro- 85% of the prospects that were committed ended up signing and over 75% of the total class had already signed. Not a lot of activity to kick off February, but now we're shifting our focus over to 2022 and, and wanted to maybe lay the groundwork for college football fans and recruiting fans in specifically about what to expect in, in this cycle. And you had a, a really good piece that dove into that over at 24-7 Sports. I want to invite our listeners to go and, and check that out. So there was more than 400 players that did not sign, right? So there was 400 less signees in 2021 than there were in 2020 and in 2019. This is something that I think, you know, if you work in the business, like we could have told you that this was happening, but I, I don't know that we could have put an exact number on that. So I, I asked Chad Carson, who works with us at 24-7 to, uh, to pull the numbers and said, hey, like, you know, come Thursday or Friday after signing day, can you let me know like how many dudes have actually signed with with, with FBS schools? And he's like, yeah. And he got back to me. He's like, whoa, uh, it's like 400 less. So this year we only had 2,215. Last two years we averaged like 2,650. So I mean, it, it's like 400 something fewer guys signing. And, and there you know, there's a number of reasons for that that I, I got into in the piece. And I, I, I mean, depending on how nerdy we want to get, we can kind of talk about those. But they're I love they're reasons nerdy. that are not going to go away. And you know, I think if you're if you're listening to a recruiting podcast in the off season of recruiting, or well, you know, the, like the week after signing day, you're probably okay getting nerdy a little bit. So uh, a couple things happened here. Number one, this is something I'm the drum I've been banging for a while. These schools didn't get to see these kids in person in many cases this year. They didn't get to go evaluate them in person. They didn't get to go meet with their guidance counselors like they normally would. You know, it's just a lack of information plagued teams. Just you know, like at times it did us, except we were allowed to go see them in person at some of these camps, whereas schools weren't allowed to host camps. So they were op- operating at like a bit of an, uh, an information deficit, if you will. And you know, I talked to some coaches and they said, look, quote, if it's a borderline recruit for us, we'd rather take a transfer who we know can cut it physically at the college level than make a four-year mistake on a high school kid that we've never seen, never worked out. And we don't know how, how much of a competitor he is. And I think across the board, Blair, we saw that a lot, man. I mean, a lot of these schools saving four, five, sometimes six scholarship slots out of their 25 to take transfers. 
Hell, Texas State didn't sign anybody. They're going all transfer, which is another wild story in and of itself. How fascinating uh, is that experiment going to be to track, right? Like we can look back at Texas State's 2021 cycle and maybe in a couple of years and, and see how that worked out and whether or not that could be a, a possible avenue for some of these college programs to explore now that the transfer portal is a thing. I don't know how well it's going to work, right? It, it might be fine. I tend to think that if you go heavy portal, you're probably securing some certainty, but also trading off some ceiling. You know, we, we know that for the most part, just based on draft data, there's not a lot of transfers that get drafted highly in the draft, except for the quarterback position for whatever reason. Uh, but you can get some decent players who can help make you a better college football team, especially if you're not trying to compete, you know, at the very highest level. You're probably not going to win the, the natty if, if you have, you know, a third year roster as transfers or, or something crazy like that. But I think it can help you. The other thing that we saw, I guess the other two reasons why we're seeing so so fewer you know kids signed there were a good number of states that didn't play ball. And so I do think this gap is going to close a little bit. I think we are going to see more kids out of California, out of North Carolina, Virginia, Washington, New York, parts of Pennsylvania, Illinois, probably another state or two I'm missing here, who didn't play high school football in the fall, who are still considering starting it up in the spring. And I think I think you'll have some late late risers emerge from there. But I, I have a hard time thinking you're going to have 400 more you know, go FBS. I still think we're going to have a pretty good gap after all those schools or all those states decide to play or you know, decide not to play. thing about that, right, is, is that in terms of our rankings, we were at least able to see some of these players throughout their high school career, maybe as a sophomore or as a, as a junior at a camp or even in, during the season in 2019. But some of these colleges and, and these recruiters weren't able to evaluate in the spring in person. They did not hold the summer camp circuit. They didn't have those in-person face-to-face meetings where they're able to eyeball a prospect. And when you factor that in, 400 honestly seems a bit low because there is now the involvement of the portal and and there is a lot of uncertainty there. Exactly right. Um, And the third factor here, and this is important. So this is the factor that really affects things going forward. So all these kids who back in in the summer when the NCAA was trying to make sure that kids would actually play college football this year because a number of them were, were considering sitting out and saying i'm not going to waste one of my years of eligibility playing on this kind of you know bastardized season well the ncaa said guess what this is not going to count against your eligibility clock if you were a senior this year and you decide to play you could still be a senior again next year you get a bonus year same thing if you're a junior you'll still be a junior so nobody who played this year loses any eligibility and the thing is for the 2021 cycle you don't count against the the 85 scholarship max, which is what all schools have to get under normally. So if you have 10, let's call them super seniors, right? Got like returning COVID seniors. They probably don't want to be called COVID seniors. But, you know, <laughs> I think super seniors is actually yeah. what, what they would want to be called. But but so, they are. I mean, it, in 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 essence, they are COVID seniors. Right. So it, it, if they don't count against your 85 cap and you have 10 of them coming back, you could play at 95 scholarships instead of 85, which is cool. And the really moneyed up power five teams, they're fine carrying like everybody wants to come back as long as you're a good person and you know contribute to the team in some way. Come back. Awesome. We'll, we'll, we'll pay for it. But the thing I'm talking about is some of these lower level P5 teams and a ton of the group of five teams, their administrations are saying, hey, uh, we're, we're not doing that great financially. Like I know the NCAA said this thing, but uh, you know, just because just they say it doesn't mean it's going to happen. So you guys need to get down to 85. So for every super senior you take back, that's one fewer high schooler you can bring in because not because of NCAA rules, but because of our own budgetary constraints. Some of them are even playing at 80 or 75. I had a pretty good number of those teams in my head. And then I had some other reporters out there today reach out after I published my article and they said, oh, actually like Tulsa 
is one of these teams. They're they're not their administration is not allowing them to uh, to exceed eighty five, according to whoever the local TV reporter was who tweeted at me earlier. It's like um, going to one of those blowout sales, right? And yeah. and figuring out you have a hundred dollars in your pocket and you could spend it or you could not spend it, but but there's a sale going on, but you are you might be better off with those $100 and going and, and saving it for that next time that you actually want to buy something that you want instead of something that's just you know a little deducted, a little marked down. 100%. Now, here's the thing. So this year, they don't count against your 85 cap because of what the NCAA said. Next year, you got to remember the NCAA is just made up of its member of its member schools. Most of them are not, you know, Alabama or Ohio State, right? Most of them don't have unlimited funds. So, in talking to people in administration, they're thinking that next year, so for the 2022 football season, the the you know the season that schools are are planning and recruiting for right now, everybody's going to have to be back to the 85 cap. So, if you have 10 super seniors next year, that's really going to put a cramp on your recruiting class. I'm probably going to write about this next week for 24-7 Sports. And I think you're going to see a very small number signed again compared to normal. It'll probably be another year or two before we get back to you know having you know, 26, 2700 high schoolers signed. Yeah, a lot of fascinating stuff. We're going to continue the conversation right after this break. You are listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo. Before we get back to Bud Elliott, let me tell you about the College Football Daily with Trey Scott, as well as the Late Kick with Josh Pate. We are building an empire of 24-7 Sports Podcasts on the network, so make sure you search for both of those wherever you find your podcasts. Now, Bud, how big of a hit do you think I'm a COVID uh, senior t-shirt would be? Like, Should I start production on some of those? I think so, man. I mean, I, I, I'd wear one. I'm a, I'm a COVID senior, right? I'm thinking COVID senior, kind of like in 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 Letterman letters, and and kind of co- a little collegiate feel to it, and, and maybe kind of a foam finger pointing up towards your head. I, I think it would be a, a huge hit. I I think so. I you know Blair, I'm also interested to see which teams are going to quote unquote go for it and take back a whole bunch of you know COVID seniors, super seniors for the 2022 cycle, and which teams are going to say we're probably not in position to make a run in our in our league. For 22, Let, let's go ahead and take a lot more high schoolers and, and go ahead and, and make sure that we are you know, maintaining our, our normal kind of year-to-year distribution as far as scholarships go. And and uh, you know, look, the NCAA says you guys can have an extra year, but they don't say you can have it here, right? You, you can have it if you find a place that, that's that's willing to have you. It's sort of the sort of the, the unspoken part about that about that rule where they granted everybody you know, extra eligibility. I, I'm interested to see that because some schools are going to go for it, and some schools are probably not. Yeah, there's no tanking in college football because there, you, you, it isn't like you're going to get the first pick, right? You're not going to be able to go and sign JT Tuimaloao if you have the worst season. But I do feel like there is value there in stashing away some of those developmental prospects and being able to build the program from within. Now, on the flip side of that, college staffs now, more so than ever, have probably as as, as little time as ever to really turn programs around, right? The, the heat on that seat turns 
turns a, a bit hotter after year two if we're not seeing results or we're not seeing a, a team get closer to bowl eligibility or or kind of uh, rise in the rankings, right? So I think that's one of the, the factors here where you have to look at the staffs and see, all right, how much time does this coach have to turn this program around or to get them back to where this 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 administration or the fan base wants them to be? And who, like, if, if, there's, if there's a newer staff who, who just arrived, take a, a jet fish at Arizona who comes over from being the quarterback's coach in in uh, in New England for the Patriots, and, and now he's the first-year guy. He might have a, a little bit more rope to work with there, right? He might have more leeway and have the ability to really have a younger, a younger roster develop his guys and then make a run in year three or year four. I think right now we're starting to see some of that effect in recruiting specifically. We just had a five-star prospect in the composite, Relique Brown, uh, about 5'8", 190 out of Santa Ana, California, modern-day high school. He committed to Oklahoma. In years past, we're not really seeing a five-star skill player commit to an out-of-state program this early in the cycle. Quinn Ewers already committed to Ohio State. He's the number one prospect overall in the 2022 class. Damani Jackson recently committed. He's the five-star defensive back from Santa Ana, modern-day, number one corner in the country, already committed to USC. So it's been happening now where I think recruits in this cycle are starting to realize that the numbers are not going to be there and they're snatching up the spot where they want to be. Just think about this too, right? If if normally like your top 30 schools, let's say they sign like, I don't know, 23 high schoolers a piece. Then all of a sudden on average, they decide to sign only 20. Well, Blair, that's about a hundred kids who would have landed in those kind of top 30 classes who are probably top 30 class caliber type players who are now going to be available to the rest of the recruiting pool. So if you're a coach out there and and you don't have immense pressure to win right away, if you have support from your administration that says, hey, look, I agree. This is an efficiency we can exploit. We can go ahead and load up on high schoolers, you know, roll the dice a little bit more. We're not under pressure to win in this given year. So go ahead and and don't take back all those super seniors. Go ahead and use all all 25 of your spots on on, on high schoolers. And I I think there's a decent chance that the talent falling to some of those mid-level and lower-level traditional recruiting teams is greater than it would normally be if if they're willing and if they have the support from their administration to to take the long game. Yeah, do you want to get a little bit more nerdy? How many group of five NFL draftees will we see because of this ripple effect, right? So if some of these power five level top caliber elite prospects are taking spots in other classes, maybe in those mid mid-level pack pack or power five programs. Some of those kids that would technically go there are then being bumped down to the group of five schools. And I think that's going to raise the level of of quality, right? And 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 how good the football is at the Boise States, uh, you know, it, it, at that level of, of football. And I think, you know, we might see even more drafted prospects at a group of five schools as well in, in a few years. No, no doubt. I mean, I'll, I'll take some guy, you know, some schools near you. San Diego State signed what twenty five, I think. Yep, yep. They they have a couple transfers, but they they went pretty heavy high school. UNLV signed, I think, twenty plus. So they're like they're they're investing for you know for the longer term. UTSA, a, a school that is you know, kind of a similar similar level uh, to Texas State, there they went more of the long game. And I don't know if that's the right approach or the wrong approach, right? You have to evaluate your roster, your timeline as a coach, and and where you are in your program's life cycle and. You know the the winability, I guess that's that's probably not a term. Uh, the the getability, I guess, of what division or, or league you're in. Uh, but I I think that 
this has some really interesting kind of roster building connotations uh, and that we're going to see some effects down the line. And you mentioned group of five schools producing draft picks. Hey, I completely agree with you. But there's a ripple effect down too. How many FCS schools are we going to see get a higher quality prospect than normal? Probably. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be a wave that I think is just going to continue to ripple down to every level of football. Um, you know, I know junior college football ha- has kind of changed and the landscape has changed over the last few years. But we could even see that being uh, an avenue where uh, we see more rise in 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 the level of prospects there. So it's going to be really fascinating. I know uh, on the surface, you know, everything was about the official visits being taken away and the evaluation process. But I think there's so many underlying factors that we have to continue to consider in, in the years to come about how this 2020 year, the the recruiting implications and all that really kind of played a role in, in college football and, and and what it could look like in a few years. But it's been a pleasure. I'm, I'm, I need to break out my glasses next time. I got LASIK, if you recall, last year at some point, but I can still pop out the lenses and, and try to figure out how I can look a little nerdy whenever I have you on the pod. Let's do it, man. I, I'm, I'm glad to come on anytime. And I'm starting the shirts. We're 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 going for it. If you do, um, send me one. <laughs> all right, I will do. You're you're what a, a large? I would say you're large, right? No, uh, XL man. I, oh, I, I was I, giving uh, you some credit there. Dropped a couple lbs, but I I, I can't get down to uh, can't get down to large size. Okay, all right. Well, I'll get you an XL. That is Bud Elliott. You can follow him on Twitter at Bud Elliott Three. He's a national recruiting analyst for Twenty Four Seven Sports. Also does the Cover Three podcast on the Twenty Four Seven Sports Network as well as CBS Sports. Thank you so much for tuning into this edition of the Twenty Four Seven Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. We'll be back later this week for another show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.